we look at our Luke text today, I'm just going to stop along the way as we go verse by verse and kind of point out a few things to us. So here we jump right into it and see what does this have to say for us in our lives today. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And whenever we see that, and you're going to see that across all the Gospels, is Jesus is always headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to the cross. It's his purpose. And we as Christians then mirror that, that if Jesus' purpose is to get to the cross, our purpose is to follow him. Then the next verse really starts to get interesting. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Interesting question. I wonder what's behind it. Maybe it's a little bit of pride, right? A little, little uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's you and me, right, Lord? I'm in, right? We're all good, right? I'm in, I'm in, I'm saved. Is it a little insecurity, maybe an inconsistency with what he had been raised and, and taught? He's looking around, and these people following Jesus don't necessarily look very religious. A lot of them are prostitutes, tax collectors, foreigners. Who is it exactly that's going to be saved? And then maybe it's fear, right? Am I saved? And this is one of those times we just want Jesus to give us the big hug and say, yes, you are saved. But this is what he said to them. He said to them, make every effort. ESV translate as strive. Other translations use, may have total dedication to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Verse 25. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. It's a matter of fact, right? There's no discussion here. Closed is closed. And he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And verse 26 says this, And you will say, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. You're one of our guys. You were right here in our midst. And if you look at this text, what's missing from this line that these people respond with? We ate and drank with you. But you know what isn't there? We put our faith in you. We expressed our faith in love to service with one another. That's not there. It's just that you ate and drank with us. You're one of ours. How come this door is closed? And then comes, boom. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, all you evil doers. And now's the time to get a little bit afraid because here's what comes next. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. That idea of pride and being in because you were one of the insiders completely destroyed. And then comes this verse. People will come from east and west and north and south, basically meaning throughout the entire world. And just a little tangent here. Did you know that wherever the gospel has gone, it is yet to be seen amongst the people that they cannot comprehend, understand, or come to faith? doesn't matter what tribe, what language, where it goes, in what region. When the gospel gets there, there has not yet been a people who say, we just don't get it or we don't understand. The gospel can reach anyone and everyone. And they will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. And then this is what we're going to focus on next week. I like this last verse. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and the first 
who will be last, that type of first and last theology. We're going to look at that next week. For this week, you know, I, I carry the text around in my pocket sometimes. I like, to, I like to just keep it with me, and it makes for good conversations. I'll walk up to people, and it's not crazy. I'm like, boom, read this text. Tell me what you think. I work in a little conversation first, and like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. What a crazy day. Hey, do you want to read this text for me and tell me what you think? And... Uh, I asked people from a bunch of different acts, around acts, a different walks of life, different stages, from high schoolers all the way to grown uh, men and women. And surprising to me was that all of their answers were relatively similar. One kid I asked, he said, "Oh, I'm saved, right?" Ha <laughs> ha. Nervous chuckle. I let that hang. <laughs> Got another person that went, "Make every effort." Well, what's going on here? I, I thought you said that I don't have to make any effort. I thought Jesus does it. What? Well, what do you mean? What, what's going on? I got another guy telling me, well, I better start working harder. Another nervous chuckle. Let that hang. And then I got one guy who said this. You see, this is the problem when I'm reading the Bible, because I'll come across a text like this. And it makes me doubt. It makes me have a little bit of fear, because I think about the sin that I'm doing, and I think about the fact that if I really believe, shouldn't I be able to stop sinning? And here, I can't do it. I feel like I'm just pretending. I feel like I'm just going through the motions. How do I know? How do I know that I'm really saved? And they're not alone in these questions. Now, Paul's letters have been addressing this assurance of salvation. Peter's letters, John's letters, all the letters attack those questions because they're valid. They're real. Because the reality is, it's possible not to be saved. And on top of that, there's a reality that it's possible to fall away from faith. We look at people like Judas, or as Paul said about those guys who shipwrecked their faith in Timothy. And if the possibility is there... That can lead to a little bit of fear sometimes. And I might say to myself, how do I know? How do I know I'm saved? Or even worse, right, how do I know I haven't already fallen away? Especially during those times of depression, right? Especially during those times when life just stacks up against me. In those times where I go through and I don't feel Jesus, how do I know? How can I have any assurance? And I want you to know that these doubts, these insecurities, everybody is going to deal with them from time to time. So I say we attack this head on right now and we address the issue. And I'm going to say this. It is not possible. It is not possible to unconsciously drift away from faith and suddenly be on the road to perdition or damnation. Let me say that again. It's not consciously possible to drift away from your faith. We're going to have ups and downs. But faith, faith is not a motion sensor, right? That when I'm doing good, ding, suddenly it's on. And when I kind of veer off the track, ding, it's off and now I'm not saved. That's not how faith works. It's not this contract where we sign 
on the dotted line, and as long as we keep everything in order, then God will keep his end of the deal. But as soon as you step out of line, boom, he cuts it up, and you're done. What Christ Jesus accomplished on the cross cannot be undone. And the difficulty comes in separating faith and works in regards to salvation. So here's what I want you to remember. In regards to salvation, faith and works, completely separate. You're saved by faith. In regards to daily living, faith and works, completely together. Salvation separate, daily life, they mash them together, and they flow just as they always should. And there's a scripture in 2 Timothy that I think that even makes it clear. I want to read these verses for you. They're not going to come up on the screen, so if you've got your phones, now's the time to get them out. Check uh, whatever you need to check real quickly. I'll give you 10 seconds. Time's up. Now you've got to have your Bible out. And here's what it says in 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 13. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. Think Romans 6. Therefore, those of you who have been baptized into Christ are baptized into Christ's death. And if you've been baptized into his death, surely you're baptized into his resurrection. If you die with him, you live with him. The next section says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Go with me to Romans 8, right? We are more than conquerors. He has given us the kingdom. We have become heirs to rule alongside of our Jesus. And then comes this part. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we disown him, he will disown us. Certainly you can quit the faith. It's a free faith. God is not going to force you to believe. But disowning is not the same thing as slipping or falling into this unconscious thought or having doubts. Disowning is a determined, consistent, and boom, that's it. I don't want anything else to do with you. That's what it means to be disowning him. It's a lot different than just having a little bit of worry or a little bit of fear. Because look at the fourth part of this text. It says this, if we are faithless, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. All people are sinners. All, peoples are, all people are doubters. And all people sometimes go through the motions. But we are not secure in faith because of ourselves, but because of in Christ Jesus is sure of us. And Luther dealt with this too. He said it like this. When the devil comes to harass you about your salvation, here's what you do, Bell. You ready? You say to him, and he's all like, oh, look at all your sins. This is not Bell. This is all of us now, right? Look at your sins. You're a bad person. You're definitely not saved. That's not good. Jesus doesn't want you doing that. You're going to hell. Here's what you say. Away from me, devil. Because if you're going to flash my sins or I'm going to put up my works, you know what's going on? I'm taking my eyes off of Jesus. And when you come to harass me, if you're going to harass me about my salvation, go to Jesus, because he's in charge of that, not me, him. When it comes to your salvation, throw it off you and throw it right back to Jesus. And we have to say this to ourselves over and over again, because it feels sometimes when we're on this journey, this journey to Jerusalem, this journey to heaven, this journey of following Jesus, it feels like we're walking a tightrope. I practice, I can get pretty close to the edge here. It feels like Satan is pulling us and pushing us. And at any moment, we're going to fall and that's going to be it. And everybody's going to be standing there to be like, ha ha, I told you, I knew it was just a lie. You knew it was too. 
And that's why I wanted you to take a look at that Psalm 121 text. Because we don't have a God who's like sitting back at the end of the tightrope saying, you can do it, buddy. You can do it. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't fall. Ah, you got it. You're almost here. We have a God who has defeated the power of sin and darkness. We have a God who walks with us, who shelters us and secures us, who journeys with us. So when it comes time to see the door, it won't be closed and barred shut because the bars of the cross keep the door open for you and me. The bars of the cross keep the door open for you and for me. And when we believe that, when we trust that, when we focus on nothing but that, then we can get busy living the open door life. And the open door life is a daily journey of the constant and continuous ways in which God's grace and God's love are experienced. And that's why I love the songs that we're singing today. Have you caught it? Christ alone, cornerstone. I believe. I never said I believe in Trevor. It is I believe in God. Jesus, resurrection, I believe in him, him, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the same God who spoke the world into existence, chooses to walk with you in the ordinary, everyday, mundane, dirty diaper changing, one leg at a time, pants putting on life. He walks with you. He listens to you. He shares this life with you. You know, we, we talked a little bit about mountains. Remember the part about the mountains? Okay, I didn't know this, but when you climb a mountain, you tie like a rope around you, and you connect it to another person. And that way, when you fall or you slip, they hopefully don't fall or slip, and boom, you don't fall off the mountain. You get to stay, you got to climb back up, it's pretty hard. But boom, you're connected to another person. Jesus is walking with us, but look around, literally look around. You don't journey to the cross alone. Look at how many people are journeying with you. Look at your child. Look at your spouse. Look at your friend. Look at your grandparent. Look at the person you didn't shake hands with during greet and meet time. <laughs> These are the people that are journeying with you. Things like worship, things like life group, It's like Tuesday Night of Hope and Celebrate Recovery. These aren't just ministries or opportunities to keep you busy. These are things that help sustain and fuel you along the way to the open door. I want to invite the band to come back forward. And they're going to lead us in a song. You know, as we get to do this journey together trusting in the assurance of Christ and his promise to us. One of the things I love is that we don't have to be afraid on this journey. Now, there's going to be lots of trials and hardships. There is. It comes with the territory of being a Christian, right? Jesus said in the upper room, right, hey, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. It's going to be hard, but take heart. I have overcome the world, and we get to gather around as a family, no longer afraid, but a family who sings the praises of God and who lives in love to one another, who cry out that we have been rescued. 
who cry out that we have been liberated from a bondage of fear and uncertainty, and instead we walk chosen and loved in the arms of Christ, eagerly awaiting to see that open door. 